0: What's up, what's up, bitches? Welcome back to another episode of Positively Uncensored, your favorite reality TV interview podcast. It's your host, Leah, and I'm so excited to come back to you all with what may be a rather long episode because I have a lot to get into. If you're new here, welcome back. My last episode did really well discussing the ultimatum, so thank you to all of my listeners who show up every week and listen to my episodes thank you to my new listeners welcome to the podcast i hope that you enjoy what i put out before i get into what i want to get into reality tv wise let's catch you up on my personal life i finally met my virtual bestie this weekend in person face to face officially irL best friends Brie, shout out Brie. She has her own podcast, Brie the Black Sheep. She's come on my podcast as a special guest several times. I love Brie. You've seen a little bit of our journey together. We commented on a post and ended up getting really lo- getting along really well together, reaching out to one another, and essentially a friendship blossomed since then. Um, we also made another mutual friend whose name is also Bree, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful friendship. She came to stay with me this weekend, and I got to enjoy a girls weekend. We watched tons of shows together that we had been saving to watch with one another. We've heard about, we did shrooms, we danced outside in my backyard. It was just a really fun time to connect, let loose, disconnect from social media. And just a reminder, if you haven't disconnected for a while, disconnect. That feeling if you have a job that's on social media or if maybe you're just someone who uses social media every day to like kind of keep up with your friends, the news, when you come back you can feel this pressure that you've missed a lot. But you know what? We really aren't meant to absorb that much information daily. And I'm not saying keep your head in the sand and like don't listen to the news and don't go on and be involved with your friends' lives. But It's overstimulating to constantly expose ourselves to long weeks of social media, weekends also on social media. So take time off the grid. Take time to just connect with someone or just connect with yourself outside. Whatever that vice may be, just a reminder to go ahead and do that. So like I said, we did shrooms. We cooked food together. I made Brie a recipe that I have made on my TikTok before. Those foil packets, she loved them. So if you've never tried that recipe, go to my TikTok, watch the how-to video and make that for your next girls' night or night in. But we really enjoyed ourselves and I just wanna tell you guys some of the shows that we watched because we watched a lot. So Rye Lane is a movie on Hulu. It's a romantic comedy. And what I'll say about this movie is it's 10 out of 10. The, it's cinematic excellence, like just the way that it's filmed, the visual effects, the cinematography, whatever camera they used, the acting. It was such... such a fun watch so highly recommend watching Rylane it's like an hour and a half movie like I said it's on Hulu it's also rated really well by critics which I don't always pay attention to but I can validate that that's worth watching. We watched The Pass by Candy Burris, so a little bit of a reality crossover. Candy and her husband Todd wrote this movie. It's essentially about infidelity. You can tell that Todd and Candy wrote this movie. A lot of the dialogue and um, relationships, not between the husband and wife, but just. The dynamic between perhaps the mother and stuff is taken from their own life and then amplified. It was a really fun watch. At first, it felt a little bit like a 2B movie, I'm not going to lie. Um, it was kind of like a little bit hard to watch as far as acting, but Drew actually ended up killing it. I thought that it was a great movie. Candy did a good job. I'd like to see her in more film because, I mean... Housewives sets the tone for you to be able to act and like do scenes and she did a really good job. So watch the Pass; It has a huge twist. I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's on Peacock. It's a good watch. I would watch it with a friend. Watch it by yourself. It's just fun thing. We watched almost an entire season of Alone, which is that survival show where I think 12 contestants go out in the wilderness and compete for a million dollars. They have to last 100 days. It's in the Arctic in Canada, I believe. And we watched season seven because I overheard on Reddit that it was a phenomenal season. And what I'll say about the show is... It wasn't what I expected. If you love this show and you're into survival shows, I mean, I've been watching Naked and Afraid and The Wilds, the show on Amazon, actually prompted me to get into survival shows. But I don't know. It feels a little hard to believe that these people are truly out there by themselves for 100 days, first of all. I feel like knowing what I know about reality TV and, you know, there, there's that fourth wall that we're not seeing. I feel like there's actually probably a production tent near each campsite. This is probably going to be a hot take because people love to... You know, just watch the shows and take them for what it is. Or people get so attached to shows, they almost feel like they're being swindled if it's not exactly what it is. But I can still watch shows and enjoy them, but it feels like there's probably a production tent. A lot of the catches seem like they were given to them. And it's interesting because there was only one person on the show who was a minority. His name was Amos. And they barely showed him. He barely caught anything. And essentially, like, the white people that they kept showing the entire time had really easy catches. Stuff was always in their traps. I I don't know. It just felt a little fake to me. Um, Amos was, like, one of the most interesting... Cast members, and like I said, we barely saw him, so it was just a weird show. I anticipated every episode, us uh, seeing every contestant, and I understand that time is limited, but it just felt really weird to see the same several people episodes at a time and barely check in with others. Um, so kind of a weird show, like I said, I think it's racially motivated that they barely showed Amos, he was also in the worst terrain out of all of the contestants. Like I said, he was barely able to catch anything. And just those things are just uncomfortable to watch. You know, I'm experiencing, you know, some of that on Survive the Raft. Lashana and Summer have already both been sent home. But just watching the racism, even if it's discreet, it's uncomfortable. So I don't love Alone. I don't think I'm going to be watching again. It was weird. The best part of it was a guy took down and killed a 600-pound musk ox by himself. That part was cool. It was beautiful to watch people connect to the land. Um, That's what I'll say about the show. If it's real, cool. I think it's more like the Even Stevens movie where everybody feels like they're alone and it's portrayed as they're alone. And really, there's probably a lot we're not seeing like maybe nightly medical checks from somebody. I don't know. It might be alone in the sense that they're without their families. That I'll agree with. They're without their families. They're away from civilization, but they're not completely alone out there. I just don't believe that. Let me know what you think. Like I said, I know that's a hot take. Do you think they're out there alone? What do you think about these survival shows? Let's talk about Love is Blind after the altar. (sighs) This was a disappointing special. I debated even covering it just because there's just not that much to say. So I'm going to go over my main points. I rewatched it to see if I was being too harsh. And I will admit the second time watching, I did, you know, jot down a couple more notes than I did the first time. But it just feels like there's an elephant in the room for a lot of the couples and Netflix just doesn't address it. I hate to pick on Kwame and Chelsea, but... Just using them as an example, even the scene where Chelsea was, you know, kind of fidgeting at Kwame for his shoe choice, it feels like there's tension between them still. Like you, we felt tension on that shopping trip where, you know, Chelsea saw this romantic day and she really wanted Kwame to be all into it regardless of the fact that they had a fight prior um, and, you know... To me, it just felt like he was in a really uncomfortable situation where you're kind of mad at someone, but you're also on television, so you potentially don't want to lash out at them and it's not even just being on TV I think everyone has been in public at the mall at a store too long at a public place wherever where they didn't really want to be you've already argued earlier but you have to play nice or you know those couples at a restaurant that are having beef but every time the waitress comes over they're nice but you can still feel the tension that's what it feels like with them it just feels like there's an elephant in the room perhaps it is the traveling they we do did learn that they haven't really taken any trips together. Brett and Tiffany to have taken a lot of trips together and we got to hear about their honeymoon and you know the separate travel plans that Tiffany had set up for Brett as a surprise just to kind of see how spontaneous he was and you can tell that the look on Kwame's face was just sort of like disappointment like and Chelsea was sort of like shut up. Through making me look bad, like we've barely done anything. And, you know, props to Chelsea for at least admitting that she minimized Kwame's concerns because I feel like what at the time she felt like anything that he was unwilling to change or compromise that was part of his lifestyle meant that he didn't love her and she was there, there was no acceptance. Like, it wasn't like, oh, okay, this is important to him. While I have a job that requires this of me, I can at least agree to a trip every three months because that's important. Or at least I'm not going to limit him from taking trips. If he has a buddy, you know, that's available that he takes these trips with. Whatever. Something reasonable to come to terms to. But for Chelsea, she felt like it was disrespectful for Kwame to have his lifestyle and have his boundaries and do stuff that he has always done and like he should compromise that for her and I said since the beginning that it just I'm not giving him a pass He's did a lot in that relationship but for right now I'm just talking about Chelsea and she was very uncompromising it was all Chelsea or nothing and like I said very passive-aggressive I've said this before Chelsea's passive-aggressive. She just is. So when there's an issue, it's it's beat around the bush. I will say Zach and Bliss seem happy. Um, they're an interesting couple. I don't doubt their connection. I don't doubt their love. But I definitely think that they enjoy the limelight. I think that they got this amazing opportunity to have a platform after going on this show. And I think that they really tap into that like Zach seems to really enjoy the camera action you know they set up this big scene where they were going to the doctor and it was kind of made to seem like maybe they were going to IVF or I don't know some planning some sort of baby it's what Kendall did in the Kardashians where she acted like she was having a baby in the previews but it was a, a baby for her horse so they're trying to get Zach to be able to have animals in the house and undergoing treatments, I would say that they're doing well, they're cute, I would say it's a good match there, not much to talk about though, you know, had this after the altar been a lot of footage of the couples just living life together, doing life inside their homes. What's it like when Chelsea and Kwame work from home together? What's it like when Brett comes home from the office or when Tiffany comes home and let's see more of their honeymoon? You know, it just wasn't enough of the behind the scenes and it was too much like curated conversations at the table for me. So Bliss and Zach, they kind of escape the elephant in the room, although it is just kind of being ignored how much they love You know, the media attention. I would like to see, you know, a comment made about how much they're enjoying their following or something like that. Just to be real, like just be real. Give us conversations that we actually care about. Second elephant in the room is Paul and Micah. You know, we see bits and pieces of a almost overwhelming I don't know how to describe Paul's mom. She just oversteps. She's kind of meddling. So we see like an over-the-top conversation between Paul's mom and Micah. And then we see a later conversation between Paul and his mom where he's cooking and trying to talk about his new girlfriend. And there's no resolution to these conversations. Paul and Micah chat a little bit about how she feels let on for the door being kept open while he's talking to someone, but there's no conversation about his mom overstepping or even just acknowledging the fact that she is sort of making his decisions for him, and that that needed to be addressed. She needs to be more like Charity's mom from The Bachelorette this season who offers no advice in terms of dating or picking a partner, and you just let your child live and make their own choices. Like, it, it, Micah reminds Paul's mom, in my opinion, of herself when she was younger, and she... Wants to chase that youth, chase that feeling, keep Micah around. You know, it's it's a lot of things. Keep Paul with someone who reminds her of herself. That's what it says to me. One elephant in the room that was addressed was everything with Irina and Amber. Irina does a horrible attempt at an apology where she basically just blame shifts. You know, she's like, I misinterpreted your feelings. I didn't know what was going on. And Amber's like, cut the bullshit. You knew what was going on. You read the room and your reaction was just mean. And if you're working on yourself, then just say that. But you were being mean. And that's what it is. I, I don't wish you any harm. I hope you're doing well. And, you know, hopefully you don't treat people like that anymore. But Irena couldn't do that. Call me. And not really, because I don't want to be your PR, but you need better PR if you want to figure this out. Because if the plan was to get a platform or get a following after the show, it's not going to happen in the current conditions. Let's take a quick break with an ad, and then we're going to talk about the rest of the Love is Blind after the altar and where they really miss the mark. All right. So the curated drama needs to go. We want to see behind the scenes. We want to see conversations about real topics. We don't need to have Monica come back and go over something that we never really got to see that much of. Unless you follow the contestants on their personal social media handles, you'd have no idea that there was some sort of beef going on between Josh, Monica, his original partner, and Jackie. And from what I gather, Jack and... I'm sorry, Jack. I just combined everybody's name. Um, Josh and What's-Her-Face got engaged during the trial experiment, Monica, and she just basically thought he was childish, full of himself, kind of an asshole. Um, And Josh doesn't like the fact that she felt that way. She clapped at him on social media and just sort of wanted to tell her story, which I guess made him look bad or whatever. And basically Josh's point of view is like, Jackie, you can't be friends with her. She slanders me. She doesn't like me. She's a bad friend. Um, And Jackie's like, I'm going to ride for my man. Even if he's wrong, he's right. Which is a flawed, flawed perspective. I just want to say really quick. Um, And Monica's like, you know, you don't let your man come between us. You know, it's our friendship, not his, not his to dictate. And while I agree, she's a shit stirrer. Everybody needs their couple minutes. I don't think Josh is wrong about that. I'm sorry. You do deserve to share your experience, but I didn't we didn't need to see her brought back. She didn't need an extra 5 minutes. I mean, I don't know if I would be friends with someone who's calling out my fiance on social media. It's kind of like, how do you, like, you want to be able to do whatever you want. Like, I want to be able to say this and you can't be mad at me. Monica can't control how Jackie responds to her being disrespectful to her relationship. Period. End of story. They shouldn't have brought her out. Funniest part to me was when Josh got referred to as Broccoli Ear by Jackie because. I mean, just notable. Um, Marshall was there. He had a conversation with Jackie. They talked things over, and she apologized. You know, he apologized. Whether the conversation was longer and we saw edited pieces, I wanted to see Jackie apologize for being homophobic. I wanted to hear her apologize for being demeaning. I would have liked to hear him apologize for being derogatory. Um those are the things I really wanted to see and specific specific things addressed. Like we saw a lot going on there. Once again, I guess you'd have to follow on social media, but a lot of conversation around TikTok was around Jackie, her mouth and her friends, you know, turning in her text messages essentially and being like, no, this is what she said. So if they're gonna bring Jackie and Josh, which I was surprised they did to begin with, we should have seen more and less of the Monica stuff. I want to say her name right. I think it's Kasha. It may be Kasia, but I think it's Kasha. So she came, comes back. She gets to tell a little bit of her story. She's like, Marshall makes it sound like we went on one date, and that was it. And then he deaded the relationship. But we definitely went on more than one date, and it just felt pretty dismissive how he talked about me at the reunion. That's who I wanted to see brought back. One point for Netflix there, or whichever producer brought her back, because that story is relevant. He did make her look bad at the reunion. And we did have questions about which cast member he potentially had a ring for. So that needed a dress. There was a loose end there. I'm glad they brought her back. I'm glad she clarified. And I agree. He was dismissive. So best of luck to Marshall and his new relationship. It seems like he's truly happy. She's so smart, intelligent, beautiful. Um, Good luck, Marshall. Uh, So is Kasha, though. So I hope that she gets... great relationship after this show or if she's happy by herself I hope she just continues grinding gets a bit of a platform extra income whatever last thing I'll end with about the reunion is it was hilarious when Paul's mom said to Micah I'll break her kneecaps and whispered it I was like did I just hear that I had to watch it three times to actually make sure that that was part of it but like I said earlier she's projecting her glory days onto Micah she's way too involved let me know if you're listening to this and if you would let your mom meddle in your relationship is this is this overstepping is this when you tell your mom back off like what what was everybody thinking about this tell me your thoughts also side note Micah's friends didn't need to be there irrelevant so, Survive the Raft is officially six episodes deep. I watched episode six a couple days ago. I did a recap of it on my TikTok just briefly. But basically, where I'm at with this show, and if you're not watching it, it streams Sundays on Discovery Plus, or it's also on Max, the app to stream. Um, it's a triggering show. It's hard to watch. Uh, that That's what I'll say. So, watch at your own discretion. I'm going to cover it so that you don't have to watch it and you can just know what's going on. But basically, where I'm at with the show is the challenges are lame. I wish that we were simply watching them cross the Atlantic. It would have been way more interesting. Um, There's probably conversations going on that boat that we aren't seeing enough of. And then we're just seeing the ends of those conversations and... It's confusing, and it's also damning to a lot of people's character. There's a lot of people I'm looking at on this show, and I'll never look at the same. Like Maddie, Marissa, Tara, whomever they are in their personal lives, they, they look horrible on this show. And if they had anything constructive to say at any point, it's never shown. So they look terrible. Um, all three of them are prejudiced. They're prejudiced. They're racist. They know that they are there was a episode where we get a new person on the boat who has the potential to get voted in and become a permanent crew member his name was Jimmy and there's a conversation had between several crew members I think Elliot Maddie a couple of others and they're like we have to keep Jimmy if we vote him out he's Syrian and we voted out every single minority here and it's like The awareness of their privilege and the awareness of their prejudice is a huge moment of the show because you'd almost think that they're so stupid and ignorant, but people aren't. People are really, really aware of their ignorance and aware of their bias. Ever since LaShawn and summer got sent home, I'm just hoping for chaos. I said on my TikTok that I was a little unsure of what's going on with Russell right now. Speaking as simply a competitor, if I'm on a show to win a large cash sum, I want every person on and competing with me for the money to do well. So I want people there that are physical. I would want people there that are intellects. I would want everyone there pulling their own weight. And regardless of original crew or not, I would want everyone to pull my weight. If I was pulling my own, I would know that I'm safe. So loyalty, I don't know, it comes at a cost. You can't have an original alliance with like every person on the boat. It should be more like big brother, four person alliance. That's fine. I can see that through to the end, but I'm not going to keep around dead weight. Like I said, Russell's arm is injured. He says it's getting better. If you know anything about an injury, if you keep doing physically challenging stuff on it, it's going to get worse. Um, So from that aspect, he has to go. He is one of my favorite content creators because he's a civil rights activist. He has TED Talks. A lot of his content is calling out that Proud Boy Trumper, white nationalist viewpoint and standing against it because of where he's from and, you know, the views that he was raised with personally and has done everything to educate educate himself against in adulthood um, and speak up about to people who are also miseducated or choosing ignorance. I love his content. On the show, from what I've seen, these are all alleged, but there's been lots of texts, that were put on Facebook of the producer, they don't seem educated at all. They seem pretty racist and prejudiced themselves. I don't know if they're keeping Russell's comments calling out the group's behavior out of the show because as the producer to literally to quote the producer, um it's allegedly not a woke show and, you know, he doesn't want people to think it's woke, so I could see them keeping footage like that out, having real conversations about white privilege. They gave him one episode to talk about it, but not really going in. So my opinion on Russell is I'd love to have him on my podcast. I would love to talk about the show. What didn't we get to see? What actually happened? I hope that he said a lot more than was shown. I think that given his platform, he probably did. But the way the show looks now, like it's just a dog pile and like i said it's just keeping around people who are part of the original crew despite if they're dead weight or despite if they are in the wrong and this specific episode last time we get to see you know LaShana's gone home such and such because Marissa felt fearful for her safety all because she said, you don't know me in a conversation. So Lashana sent home in the group mentality because of Marissa. And in the very next episode, we see Tara, um, who was one of the girls, you know, helping campaign against Lashana. We see her go up to CJ and threaten to punch him in the face. We see her threaten... Uh, both Maddie and Marissa and say if you guys don't back me and get out CJ I'm going to be really fucking pissed at you they have no problem with it she's just threatening people right and left and it's no issue she's kept around in the challenge they reward her bad behavior on the boat they let her take 10k for the challenge for no fucking reason Um, the show is just so problematic and hard to watch that I'm only watching to see who gets eliminated. I want to see Tara, Marissa, and Maddie go home. I'd like to, quite frankly, see Jimmy take it all at this point. I know Russell said that he's not there for the money, but even him, I'd like to see him take some money. But I think that what they're going for to be honest, is they're trying to actively make everybody look bad, like, oh, look, nobody's perfect. Look, even the people who are, you know, liberals aren't perfect. And it's like, we know people who are racist. It's not just it's not just Republicans. It's not just liberals. It's not just so and so. Racism exists everywhere. But them trying to make it seem like, oh, everybody has problems. Look, you know, even the liberals, even the Republicans, nobody's perfect. We all have things to learn. Valid, but it's harmful. What we're seeing on TV. There's a lot of people who aren't going to question this. There's a lot of people who think that the majority of the white people on that raft are in the right, um, and that that's what's sad. So. This social experiment is a bust. If they wanted it to truly be a social experiment, it would be like Big Brother where we can check in constantly, see the conversations, just watch them sail across the ocean, similar to how the original experiment did with a production boat next to them in case anything horrible happens, like someone gets thrown overboard, whatever. This show, this show, it's a problem. Let's talk about the latest episode of Real Housewives of New York real quick. I don't know. Is everybody into this season? Is everybody into the reboot? Is there any changes that we'd like to make to the roster? Any housewife that we think needs to go? I I both feel for Jenna. I feel for her mostly. I feel for her because the group has alienated her For what seems like her sexuality for a while, how she dresses, what information she chooses to share about her partner or lack of information, um, her gifts that she gives, you know, if they're associated or affiliated with the collaboration she's done, they don't want them. Essentially, they want her to pay for the gifts or they don't want it. They don't want to be given gifts of brands that she likes and wants to share with them. I don't get it. I don't really get the whole gift thing. Um, so there's that. On top of that, every boundary that Jenna has is not accepted. She's not like Kim Zolciak, not attending these events. Okay, she she's at at her age. She doesn't want to sleep cold, or she, that's valid. At least she's not walking down there and screaming for everybody to shut up. I. I Maybe The Housewives isn't the right show for her because of her boundaries being what they are, but the group certainly can't respect anybody's boundaries unless they also have that. You see it with Sai when she's hungry and she leaves, you see it with Uba when she wants something different to eat. I mean, just basic necessities, they can't they can't agree with unless they're also experiencing it. But this week we get to see the girls trip to Anguilla. Jenna goes down early. She said she wants to get a tan for her skin condition. She also doesn't really want to fly coach. She'd rather fly first class if she's going to go there. At her age, that's what she says. And like I said, maybe this isn't the show for her. She keeps mentioning her age, and you know, fine. Uh, look at Kyle Cook on Summer House; like he's still down to rage. Like perhaps this isn't this isn't the show. Maybe this maybe she thought this would be a good marketing opportunity show off her brands show off her apartment show off her style get her name out there a little bit more and the whole group thing might not be, might not have been what her interest was but nonetheless she tells Erin after getting her jaw surgery which was astonishing this was her 13th surgery part to do with her genetic condition that she has And um, she lets her know she's going to go down early, tan. She feels self-conscious in a bathing suit. And she doesn't want to go down with all of them and feel like the ugly duckling, essentially. Erin takes this information. And once the group is all gathered in an anguilla and they're talking and, you know, Jenna hasn't arrived yet, she's like, so the real reason that Jenna's not here is because she doesn't want to fly coach. Completely distorted the conversation, in my opinion it was one of the contributing factors but it wasn't the entire reason and for people to say oh well she added the you know tanning thing to cover that up you don't know that like the two things can be true at once she could have not wanted to fly coach and also wanted to tan and neither of those things make her a mean person you know Si is the last person that should be able to judge, or Bryn, when they literally won't go to a certain restaurant because of how it looks and they wouldn't be caught dead there, but yet they have issues with the materialism that Jenna has. Like I said, the boundaries don't apply for them if they aren't applicable in their own lives. The curated drama is a little bit much for me. It feels like even the conversation with Erin and her husband – Abe didn't have a problem with what Brynn was saying. Sure, I understand that when people are uncomfortable, they go along with things, but he didn't really have a problem with it. He waited to address his issues with Brynn until there was a camera around. You know, Erin needed some more screen time. She hasn't given that much this season. There needed to be some sort of conversation had, I'm sure. Versus Jessel, who gives, gives, gives. She's generous with the conversations. I mean, we see the nitty gritty between her and Poppet, whether it's about their children, their sex life, her mother being there and how that's making her feel. This this, like last episode, he sprung a trip to Vietnam on her. He's going to spend 20 hours flying there. I don't know if it's 20 hours back, too. Or if it's just 20 hours total round trip, but 20 hours there, potentially 20 hours back, but he'll only be there for three days. And she's like, okay. And this is in response to her trip to Anguilla. So it's kind of like, look, see how you do without me. You're on this show. You've been treating me kind of like shit. You know, you've had your mom here to help you, but see how you do without me and without your mom, like see what it's like. I think he's kind of trying to punish her a little bit. And I can't say that that's healthy, but I can see that dynamic in their relationship right now and how the two of them got there. His needs are also ignored a lot. Like he clearly does not want to have another child yet. He's not wrong when he says that they can barely maintain their household now. She always needs extra help and now she wants to add another one. No, no, no. That's a mess. I'm not going to, you know, shit on Sai or Brit. Don't think that I'm doing that because I'm just wondering the duality. I'm just I'm just thinking they're a little bit hypocritical. I think that everybody has a backstory. I'm sure that we will learn it. I'm sure that it will make me like each of them a little bit more, but I'm unsure if Sai needs to be on another season. I'm unsure if Jessel will be on another season, even though I like her. I think she should be on another season. I think that she show so much of her life. She should immediately be given another apple or whatever it's called for next season. Um I think Bryn will be on next season, but I don't know if we need Jenna and I don't know if we need Cy. I just feel like we could potentially get someone else. And you know, let me know if you who who you guys feel like. I don't know that much about Uba yet. I'm sure that we will learn about her. Um, I know about her hot sauce and i like that she's outspoken but i don't know mixed feelings on that like is she a rep- like is this group a representation of new york somebody tell me who lives in new york because i i don't know i i'm conflicted on that i think that they could have found maybe someone from each suburb that would have been cool like each borough in new york or in the city and to like to kind of represent better so Nah, how's everybody feeling on Roni? Let me know. News about the ultimatum. We have two babies already. Lisa and Brian had their baby. Everybody was kind of questioning: is she gonna show up to the reunion with a baby? It did was the pregnancy a lie, you know, to kind of get out of this situation. You know what happened? But yes, it was real. They had a baby. I thought it was real from the beginning. I kind of see what Roxanne was saying, like hormones pumping through her. The situation's volatile. You've never been through it. I can see it. So baby number one, and then I think Mason was the name, and then Raya and Trey just announced their pregnancy too. So congratulations to both, you know, congratulations to both couples. Do I think that... A baby is a solution to either. No, I don't. But do I wish happiness, stability, and love? I absolutely do. This season of The Ultimatum and the last season of Love is Blind, you know, last season of Love is Blind was good. This season of Ultimatum was meh. Cancel the straights. Just do the queer season. I I don't really need it. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on on TikTok you know, trigger warning. Everybody has probably seen of, or at least heard of the woman who got hit in the head with a brick for denying advances in public and nobody helped her. So what I want to say about this is just women aren't protected. Okay. And this the only element of this that I want to talk about is that is the attitude and the comments surrounding this. Tons and tons of comments about what do you expect men to do or women bash men and then offer protection. What do women need protection from? Are, who do we need protection from? If a man has to offer up protection, what is it usually from? Another man. So protection and acting like men are the solution. Can you acknowledge that you are part of the problem as well? That, that's what I'm curious. <clears throat> and this is not a hate men rant. It's not. This is just a question. Like for the men who feel as if they wouldn't protect a woman or they look for reasons as to why, you know, a woman's life isn't valuable to protect what what what's going on up there and that attitude and the finding a reason whether it's an old video which was a skit by the way that people have found there was a skit of this girl where she you know slapped someone and then does a twerk old skit on her tiktok that she did and filmed probably with her friend um you know that's taken and said look this was minutes before she was hit but look what she did right before she smacked him the the grasping for justification to not protect women is important and the ability to just hunt for reasons as to why we don't deserve basic safety protection just autonomy you know a basic ability to walk outside is astonishing and you can compare it to what happens when women come forward and talk about sexual assault there's always the warning of well just know that when you take this to trial they bring out stuff from your past and it's like well why do they say that because it's true they look for a way to make the woman villainized Find reasons why she's promiscuous. Find reasons why she deserved it. Find reasons that indicate that she wanted it. You know, reasons to make it our fault. Like it's a it's a way to make the survivor. It's a way to look for pushing blame. How to how do, how do we make this the survivor's fault? And I just want to say, do better. I want to bring up a quote from the collectress off of Instagram because honestly, she says it better than I can, but everybody do better. And women have this mentality too. It's not just men. There are some women who don't believe that all women deserve protection. There are some women who believe that only white women deserve protection. There are some women who believe that if something happens and a woman's assaulted, you know, well, what did, did she drink, you know? There should be no questioning over a woman's safety. I'm going to read her whole post because it's important. As we continue to watch the growth of fascism in America and across the globe, femicide and violent acts against women will rise in numbers. Yesterday, a young woman was hit in the face with a brick for declining to give out her number. Multiple men stood around and did nothing to disrupt the attack. Occurrences like these are not new, but unfortunately they will become more frequent. Men are not protectors. The concept of men as protectors is patriarchal that is built off the notion that women slash femme people are part of men's possession. The issue with this is it reinforces misogynistic ideals that women are not worthy of the basic human right of safety outside of their relation to men. Think about that. Like we, you know, we aren't entitled, like I said, to just walk out and be able to protect ourselves. It's this idea that unless we have someone to protect us, a man to protect us from other men, like we can't be protected. And there's even that say, there's even people who say to women, you know, when we get older, you know, why aren't you with someone? Like, what are you, how, what are you going to do for yourself? And it's like, This is reinforced in society all the time. Men cannot be protectors as a cohort of the very group that they are the largest threat to. And I'm not arguing about this because we have a century of research that proves this true. And before the men and pick me's come crying, not all men, let's say clearly it's too many men because for every abusive man, there are four others willing to excuse, avoid, or outright deny their acts are violent and harmful. And if you're listening to this, and you're thinking that just ask yourself if you know any men in your personal life that are abusive and, if, and what you and if you allow it. like what ha, what have you said about it? How many friends do you have that do abusive things towards their girlfriends, towards their partners, towards their mothers? and yet people still choose to be their friends because it's comfortable or it's convenient. Or how many times have you met one of your boyfriend's friends and he said, you know, don't be around this person because he's this way. And it's like, well, that person's still a large part of the friend group. Men historically have and continue to be the biggest protectors of other men. And that includes the most abusive and violent offenders of our communities. It's all men, like it's all white people, unless there is a continued effort to disavow the harm doers among your ranks. So... True. This is saying that unless you're actively fighting racism, unless you're actively educating yourself, unless you're actively looking for a cause and perspective outside of your own, you are going to be racist. Whether you mean to, intend to, whether you know you are, you are going to be. You're going to be prejudiced. You're going to be racist in some way or another that's detrimental to anybody that is not white. I've said this before, but let me say it again. There's nothing low risk about misogyny and the casual nature at which women and femmes are called bitches and whores. And jokes are made about the abuse that we experience are never funny, but they should be taken for what they actually are. Threats. Micro threats and commitments to a structure that thrives off the dehumanization of women slash femme bodies and more specifically those racialized. And then at the very end of her post, she has a quick clip from Julius Malima, and I'm gonna play that really quick. No woman who needs protection. This nonsense that says let's protect women, it's wrong. Just stop attacking them, there won't be a need for protection. Okay? Just stop attacking women, and there won't really be a need for protection, period. End of story. And like I said, this isn't about hating men. This is about hating men who attack women. This is about hating men who don't defend women. This is about hating men who allow other men to harm women or femme communities. That, that's what this is about. So I hope that this message finds you well. I hope that today you've stood up for a woman in your life. I hope that today you've defended a black woman in your life or not in your life. I hope that you always believe women. That's what today's note of the day is. And to quote Penis or Pen15, thank you for the note. And you're welcome. I've been watching Vampire Diaries. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I made it all the way to season two super fast. I'm super excited for doing a separate episode all about Vampire Diaries and the timeline that I have. Let me quickly remind of all the upcoming shows. Selling the OC comes out in three days, September 8th. Special Forces is soon, September 25th. Oh, going back a second. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. If you're watching that show, it comes out tonight. Tonight is Tuesday the 5th. It comes out um, on Bravo or next day on Peacock. I think I might watch the season just to see Mary She's coming back. I want to see what she has to say. I'm curious. Couldn't really care less about the rest of the women, but I want to see what Mary has to say. I want to see what's new with her. Um, So that's tonight. Then Special Forces is September 25th. Bachelor in Paradise and The Golden Bachelor all come out September 28th. House of Villains is the 12th. And of October, and F-Boy Island is October 23rd. So tons and tons of shows that I'm going to be recapping soon. Before I cap this episode, I want to get into the women of The Golden Bachelor and just some of my favorite personal picks. I'm going to be honest, I haven't taken the time to go through every woman's bio, so I picked on the women who I liked. Like, I thought they looked really kind, I liked them, I took a glance women I think that Jerry would be compatible with let's go in order of alphabet so alphabetical order let's start with Christina Christina looks like Jerry with a wig on like she looks like Jerry she reminds me of somebody that he would be with I picture her like in the garden with her white pants and Tom's shoes on that just walking on the dock like that's what I picture Christina she's 73 She's a retired purchasing manager from California. She's a sweet soul, ready to find love, who's the happiest she's ever been, hoping to find someone to share her golden years. She calls this chapter of her life her go-go years, instead of the slow-go years, so hopefully Jerry can keep up. She's extremely proud of her career, and while she's retired now, working her way up the corporate ladder without a college degree is still one of her biggest accomplishments, Go Christina. I love a hard-working woman. She started, did it all of herself, self-taught, self-made. She loves playing pickleball, Paul McCartney, and horseback riding. She also isn't afraid of adventure and plans to go sky- skydiving for a second time with her oldest grandson. I like that she's a risk-taker. I think that he will appreciate that. And like I said, they look so much alike so much alike. Siblings are dating. We might ask ourselves that, but they'd be cute nonetheless. Fun fact, her first concert was the Beatles in 1964. She loves a good dude ranch, whatever that means, and she prefers to drive stick shift. I can see her in one of those cars that was in Princess Diaries where she tries to get up to the San Francisco hill. I can see that. On to Nancy. Nancy Nancy. So fancy Nancy. She's 60. Retired interior designer from Virginia. How old is Jerry? I need to know before I keep going. Jerry. He is 71. Okay, I need to know his age. Sorry. Let's get back to Nancy. That's huge because I don't think he's going to go for someone. Maybe he will go for someone that young. Maybe he will. Nancy's ready to receive the love she gives to so many others This retired designer loves playing golf, walking her golden doodle Max, and watching college basketball. This mother of three is loyal, faithful, and funny, looking for a self-assured, trustworthy man to share her life with. She's a self-described hopeless romantic and says, I believe in love stories and even having a great one. I believe I can have another. She's serious about finding love. Fun facts, she loves a good rom-com, she's a dancing machine, but only at weddings, and she's a Bruce Springsteen stan. I don't know about the fact that she never likes to go dancing, so I might remove her from the list. Maybe she's not that fun, but I like that she's a hopeless romantic. She's beautiful. She likes music, at least. Like, at least they can go to concerts together. Let's find Peggy. Oh, wait, no, Natasha. Natasha. She's next. Also 60. She's a pro-aging coach and midlife speaker from New York. Love her career. Jerry is all about having the best years of his life later in life, so I think they would get along well immediately from their mentalities. Her bio says that she's a passionate and energetic woman, ready to find Mr. Right. She's looking for a romantic, athletic, ooh, and emotionally available man to share her life. I love that she mentioned physical appearance is the first person to mention like a physical appearance they want in their partner good for you natasha and jerry's hot so she loves going to her local farmer's market and taking walks around central park she wants to find someone with whom to enjoy the simple things in life when she isn't working as a pro aging coach she loves attending dance class doing yoga listening to janet jackson and spending time with her 15 year old granddaughter I love that. Everything about it. Fun facts she enjoys relaxing in Central Park. She wants bell bottoms to make a comeback. And her favorite thing to do on a date is laugh. <sighs> I love Natasha. I love her. Now, Peggy. You guys already know my next pick. So, Peggy is a dental hygienist who is 69 from Connecticut. Closer to Jerry's age. Beautiful as well. She's incredible. Wow. First statement. Peggy is incredible. Love it. Dental hygienist who has always put others before herself and dedicated her life to helping people. Peggy has gone on multiple dental missions where she's volunteered to serve developing nations around the world. She continues to be passionate about her work and even went back to practice after initially retiring because she missed it so much. Peggy has no regrets in life and says, I've loved every season of my life. I wouldn't change a thing. She's ready to find someone to continue to check goals off her bucket list with. Fun facts. She has a very cute Bichon freeze named Libby. She would love to be J-Lo for a day. And she's a go-kart enthusiast. I don't know if they'll get along, but I kind of like her facts. I think she's fun. She might seem like a bit of a workaholic. She returned to work after retiring, but... As long as she's ready to slow down a little and do adventurous things instead, I think that could be good. On to Marina. Oh, I miss Marina. Sorry, Natasha. So Marina is 60. She's an educator from California. Perfect combination of strong, compassionate, and cool. She's a woman of the world traveling over to, to over 34 countries. Marina is looking for her travel buddy for life and hoping our golden back bachelor is a match. She's a mom to two impressive kids and two fur babies. When this educator isn't working or spending time with family, she enjoys taking spin, hiking, cooking, and going for long drives. She loves to make casseroles and has high expectations, but hopes that the golden bachelor's for her. She has not one, but three master's degrees. She doesn't stand in lines and she enjoys reading biographies and medical nonfiction. She's very, 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 very intelligent. Very intelligent. And I think that Jerry will like that. Can they have conversations about emotional things and things that aren't always based off intellect? Can they just adventure together? We'll see. She has a very, like, one of those personalities where you're grinding. Like, she's grinding. She's at spin. She's working hard. She's at yoga. She's, you know... She's always she's doing stuff. She's always using her brain or her body. So we'll see. I, I think that she's so impressive and very beautiful. And ending with Sandra, she's the oldest bachelorette that I have picked and I love her. She's 75 and she is a retired executive assistant from Georgia. She's ready to find the one. Her dream her dream man is handsome, sensitive and intelligent. And this cruise lover hopes that he's ready to travel the world with her. Ooh, she's also not afraid of showing some PDA when she likes someone. So hopefully he's ready to be loved on. I love that. Not only did she mention physical appearances, but she also mentioned that she's into PDA. I think that's really cute. Sandra describes herself as creative, patient, and independent. In her free time, she loves hanging out with her daughters, thrift shopping, crafting, and playing racquetball this also isn't Sandra's first time on TV. She may be recognized as a big winner from the wheel of fortune. <laughs> Love that. Fun facts. She plays anything by Luther Vandross to put her in the mood. She's so cute. She's very proud of her high credit score, as you should be, and she has 32 favorite NFL teams, aka she loves all of them. She she fixes cars, she plays guitars, and she can sing. Back to Princess Diaries. Sandra can do it all. She may be my favorite woman from this season. And with such an impressive, well-rounded bio, I almost want to be like immediately next Golden Bachelor, please. Next Golden Bachelorette. But I loved someone from charity season, Josh. He was from Harvard, impressive. But he really got he really didn't stay that long. But I have high hopes for Sandra. I think she's gorgeous. I think she's a match. And these are my two, three, four, five, six. These are my six picks. I hope that they make it far. I like them. I think that Jerry will like them. And let's see. Stay tuned for Golden Bachelor coming soon. Thank you for listening to this full episode. I love all of you. Love you for listening to my rants, my thoughts, participating in conversations. And I just wish you all the best, best week. Praying for all of you, thinking of all of you. Mwah.